This is the Edify Podcast for the servant. Over the past, I guess, several weeks, couple of months, something along those lines, we at Piedmont Road have installed, um, I guess, three new elders in the past year, and we've installed six new deacons. And um, I'm at a congregation where I'm blessed to be just a cog in the wheel, but not everybody is in that situation. I get guys, um, and even some some ladies that that will email or send a Facebook message or something along those lines to talk about leadership and the need for leadership and the complaint of the leadership and the governance that they have, whether they be a group of godly shepherds um, that have made decisions that are ungodly or shepherds uh, that are poor shepherds in general, or they have a group of men who are businessmen and they're not um, soul winners. Uh, and so I want to kind of shift gears from discussing ministry this season and interviewing, you know, several folks. Uh, probably this week, I want to I want to give you an episode every every day, Monday through Friday of this week, uh, to, to to talk about eldership, uh, talk about uh, leadership, church leadership, the kind of leaders that you want, pastor system that you want. Um, obviously, we know what kind we don't want. We don't have to go into all of that, but but. You know, raising up a generation of new elders um, with these deacons that we've appointed. I've been here at Piedmont Road four years going on, and um, and so God willing, I'll through my preaching and teaching and you know certain types of uh, work and ministry, I'll be you know um, discipling new men uh, to step into those roles. What kind of men do I want? What do I want them to have? What do I want them to be a part of? Um, you know, and, and for those of you that labor in, in word, um, in the pulpit, so are you, you know, the Holy Spirit is going to raise up new men and new women through your preaching. What are some things that we're going to want? What, what kind of behaviors are we going to want? You know, first Peter chapter five is, is where I like to go to talk about elders and talk about shepherds. And I like, I like the fact that here at, here at Piedmont road, we have more men that are willing to be shepherds. Uh, than just elders, those older in the faith who make wise decisions, but they're they're what's often called kitchen table elders and bedside elders, uh, praying elders. Um, several New Testament texts give us, you know, really a snapshot of leadership that are plainly different from today's um, gracious, maybe maybe prevailing paradigms, you know. But like I said, the place that I like to turn off in is First Peter chapter five, one through five. I'm blessed with a room of shepherds at Piedmont Road, and what I pray is is that is that God may be pleased in my day to raise up and sustain uh, shepherds that I find in First First Peter five, and I pray that He does you. These are the kind of pastors and elders and and shepherds and overseers that we want, and so you know. This week, here on the outset, let me begin by saying Christian leadership in the local church. This 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 needs to be our focus. You know, as the church goes, so goes, you know, as the home goes, so goes the church. As the church goes, so goes our local communities and so on. Um, and, and maybe before we turn to the elder qualifications, you know, as a lens, really they're just clarifications. They're not qualifications as though men are trying to achieve that status for this as a means to the end like that's 
you know, they don't, they don't get to a point and say, okay, I've arrived and now I can be an elder. And, and that's all that I do. Um, Peter, what Peter does in first Peter five, he gives us, he gives, you know, the leading, uh, and the, the teaching office, you know, in the church, um, that, that God wants. And so, he says, I exhort the elders among you in First Peter chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. He says to shepherd the flock of God that is among you. So if we if we want to put this into a heading or to a point for this, this first thought, is that these are men who are present and accessible. These are not boardroom elders. These are not closed-door shepherds. These are people who are among you, and they are to shepherd the flock of God that is among us and that we are. And he says it twice in one sentence. So these these shepherd elders, um, and those 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 terms are the, is the same office. I know that you know that, but but they are among the people, and the people are among the elders, and together they are one church. They're one flock. So good pastors, good elders, good shepherds are first and foremost. They're first and foremost sheep, and they know it. And they embrace it. They don't. They don't compromise. You know, um, a fundamentally different category of a Christian. They're not elite Christians. These are sheep, and they they need not to be in 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 a world class in their intellect or in their oratory skills uh, or their executive skills. They are average, normal, healthy Christians. When you look at those qualifications of elders, you're looking at a group of of people. Who the only thing different between them and the and other other Christians is that they're men, they're husbands of one wife, and they have faithful children. Um, that's not said of everybody. There are women who are wives and they have faithful children, but that's not an elder. It's not a shepherd. It has to be a man. Um, these are normal, average, healthy Christians, and they're serving as examples of the flock while amongst the flock. You know, as they lead the flock, as they as they feed the flock through the the teaching of God's word, um, you know, wise governance, all of that. The heart of a good pastor um, swells to Jesus' charge in Luke ten twenty. Do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Their first and foremost fundamental joy is not what God does through them as a shepherd, but what Christ has done and does for them as Christians. Let me say that again. The first and most fundamental joy is not what God does through them as elders, but what Christ has done in the justification and the sanctification, but also that ongoing sanctification that he does for them as Christians. So good pastors, therefore, good elders, good shepherds, are secure in soul, and they're not blown left or blown right by the need to impress or prove themselves. They're happy to be seen as normal, healthy Christians. They're not a cut above the congregation, but they are reliable models of mature, healthy Christianity. So maybe another way to say it is is such, such elders and shepherds, they're humble, humble people. After all, people Peter, if you look in the text, he char he says he charges all of you, elders and congregants, to, to, to clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. First Peter 5 and verse 5. That's in the context of elders and churches. Humility. There's nothing good about a proud elder. There's nothing godly about a proud elder. And that elder is a sheep, and he is subject to Matthew 18. 
If you have an elder who's continually a person of pride and will not repent or relent of his of his disposition, uh, that man needs to be rebuked. Um, yes, he he was appointed by the Holy Spirit through the Scriptures, but that that is a man, that is a man who is fallible. That is a man who has a propensity to sin. He will wander if he is not careful. If he just if he coasts, he will float downstream. If he does not swim upstream, he will float downstream. He's in the same boat with everybody else. So Matthew 18, and the going to a brother who is in sin uh, and who has sinned against you, elderships are no exempt from that. They've got to be they've got to be humble people. Healthy churches are eager to clothe themselves in humility toward their their elders. Uh, who have who have led the way in dressing um, dressing the church in humility? Um, my elder's ob- obligation to God that is if if Jake is up there and he's not preaching a little bit of humility, or if he's a proud preacher, if if I myself am preaching in a way that that promotes some sort of pride, self pride, vain pride, then my elder's obligation is to come to me and to humble me. And to say, Jake, we, we feel like the way that you're saying this and the way that this comes across is this way. You may not be, be, be meaning to be proud, proudful, prideful or, or proud, but but this is the way that it's coming across. And we don't wanna we don't wanna we don't wanna um we don't want to have a a culture of, of pride here. And so we we wanna help you reword and, and maybe we need to say some things because the church took that in a way that, that probably should not have went. Uh, that you probably didn't mean, but if you did, we need to we need to fix that. Healthy elders need to be humble, and they need to address pride and proud, prou- prideful and proud situations in the church. So sh- shepherds, humble in practice, not just in theory, are present in the life of the church, and, and they are accessible. They invite, they welcome, and they receive input from the flock. They don't they don't pretend um, to shepherd God's flock. In all the world, through the internet, and through phone, and through text messages, but but focus on the flock um, that is among you. They're not interested in other churches. They're not. They're, there's a reason God instilled uh, autonomy. That that elders aren't to be more concerned about the church of what's happening in Oklahoma when they live in the state of Florida, um, because they're on the internet and Facebook and social media. So these are men who are who are present and who are accessible to their own congregations. They are among us. They are humble, and we are humble toward them. They are humble toward us. Um, they they delight to be among the people, uh, not removed, not distant, and not remote. But a second thing is that these are men who who work together. You know, one of the most important truths to to I mean maybe rehearse about pastoral ministry is that Christ means for it to be teamwork working amongst one another. And and this is going to be, you know, this week I want to I want to focus on that and and who knows how far how long we'll go. I guess we'll just go until we get tired of talking about elders, but 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 this needs to be a major theme in the conversation that we're having right now. You know, as in 1 Peter 5, so in every context in which the local church shepherd elder uh, situation is mentioned in the New Testament, that 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 office is a plurality. You know, Christ alone sits atop the church as Lord, and he is head of the church, Ephesians 1.22, uh, 5.23, Colossians 1.18, and he alone. There's not a head elder. I've heard an elder say, well, the head elder, uh, and and this is our head elder. There, There's no such animal in the kingdom of Jesus. The glory of singular leadership 
is his, Christ, nobody else. And and he means for his his under shepherds to labor and thrive, not alone, but as a team. And so mature congregations don't want an untouchable um, leader, um, you know, perceived, you know, high atop the church, you know, uh, or the preacher in a pulpit, you know, safely removed from the accountability and the rough and tumble exchanges of, in, you know, instinct, uh, convictions, you know, among leaders um, that make for real wisdom. So the good kind of elder that we long for in this age is a good man who's got good friends, friends who love them enough to challenge their assumptions, uh, you know, tell them when, when they're mistaken, hold them to the fire of accountability, make life both harder and better, um, maybe more uncomfortable, but also more fruitful. Um, that's what the eldership owes to one another. That's what each elder owes to one another. You know, men who, yes, they're present, yes, they're accessible, but they also work together, and they also flesh things out. Uh, so it can be a war room. It can be a prayer room in that room behind the door. Um, but that's where it needs to stay. You know, a problem that you see is when one elder will leave the room and there's a unanimous one single voice, as there should be, of the elder's room. And there, there's a godly decision being made, not an ungodly. If it's ungodly, that's different. But but a but a godly situation has been um, has been claimed, and, and a decision has been made, and so they 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 go ahead and make a decision. Well, there's one elder or two who don't like the decision, and so what they do is they leave that room and they go and start surmising and 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 being um, behind the scenes, working and saying things they shouldn't do, and. Uh, you know, and, and giving attitudes and, and ugly faces toward the work and to decision that's been made uh, it, to leave a room and say, well, the eldership decided, but I, I wasn't in agreement with that. Okay, that's wrong. He, should, he shouldn't be about that. You know, he needs to be humble. He needs to be present and accessible, but he also needs to work together with other elders. That, that's kind of huge. Um, but also, verse 2, we're looking at men who are attentive and engaged. Uh, shepherds and pastors, they exercise oversight. But however fragile modern humans have become, deep down we still want leaders who don't just listen and empower, but also take initiative. I have sat with women, and husbands and wives, and, and women who their complaint was that my husband doesn't take initiative. My husband isn't the leader of our home. And she doesn't say that to despair him, but she says it in, in, in proof of reality. He, he's not willing to do. He's not willing to, to take initiative. I, I need him to do that. And and one of the things that I have a hard trouble with personally as an individual is passive men. That's just me in general. I, I don't I don't understand, you know, passive nature. I don't I don't get that in a man. Uh, that's that's an effeminate trait that is supposed to be um, that's condemned in the Bible is an effeminate male where a man doesn't play the man that 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 word is used that wordage is used several times in our bible you know let us act the man or play the man or play the part of a man that's a role that we have to step into uh we want people to take initiative to give guidance and improve you know um genuine leadership we we want leaders who speak to us the word of god hebrews 13:7 you know they actually do the hard and the costly work of oversight of governing to which they've been called. Acts 20 and 28, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, 
So however experienced and capable good pastors may be, that they are not typically men known for their world-class in- intellect, you know, to their, their extensive experience and, or their administrative savviness. But they're to be known to be men of the book, men for whom having God's word and scripture makes all the difference in leadership, men whose leadership style is based off of the scripture. The Bible is not a supplement or it's not an assumption for them. The Bible is central and the Bible is explicit. God has spoken and that changes everything. And so such such shepherds don't just say they trust God's word. They trust it enough to know it backward and forward and bring it to bear in prudent and, and proper application, you know, on issue after issue in the church. And so we want men who steward influence as teachers, not not insist on control. Verse three says they're not domineering over those in your charge. Uh, men who who manifestly serve others, they don't serve themselves, but with their abilities and their authority, and they have it, but they don't they don't abuse that. Remember, they're they're men who are humble, you know, men who actually expend uh, the effort to take, you know, to take lead, not just to occupy a position uh, or or sit in the office or title of authority. We're looking at men, and we want men who do not treat the office as a privilege, you know, for personal gain, but really as a call from God to die to private comforts and convenience and to embrace the harder roads. You know, men who who do the hard work to win trust rather than just lazily pursue it. Um, we, we want men who, as Peter says, verse 2, they shepherd the flock of God. Which not only means, you know, leading and feeding, you know, and casting vision and communicating truth, but it's also defending and protecting. And and that can that can lead us into men who, who lean into hardship. And we'll talk about that next next time, probably tomorrow. But I just wanted to touch base a little bit and kind of bring to mind and, and people have been asking and, and discussing how do we how do we raise up? you know, new men, how do we bring about new men? How do we, how do we, what's the eldership look like that we want? Because cynicism looks like a, a, a great shield where we can just be bent toward an eldership and into the idea of an eldership. I know churches who refused an eldership because they were cynics. Um, that's not okay. It's not God's pattern. I'm sorry that an elder, an elder has abused things or eldership has abused things. That's that can be the the propensity of man if they're not Bible saturated people, and so I remember Garland Elkins telling me when I was just getting out of school and in my first work, I remember him telling me, Jack, remember it's easier to appoint elders than it is to disappoint, and he wasn't talking about make them upset, but to unappoint an elder, but to you know take 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 a man out of office, it's it can be hard to do. And some of you may be in situations where that's not a possibility. Maybe you're waiting on one to die so that the church can grow. And here's the truth. The church will never grow past its leadership. It never will. And so you want your men to be the godliest of men. You want your men to be the most present, accessible, humble, um, willing to work with other elders, that they're, they're, they're for the church. They they are they are men who take leadership they actually shepherd. They don't. They don't do it passively, but they do it aggressively. Uh, not micromanagers, but but men who who are willing to to take oversight. Literally, not do all the work, but to take oversight of the work. And so that's the difference. Well, let's uh, let's pick this up tomorrow, God willing, and um, 
we're going to pick up some other things that, that, that may be of interest to you. Uh, may God be with you in your preaching and teaching and your raising up of new elders.